0: Yeah, yeah. If this is recording, we're good.
1: Yeah, this is recording. Okay. That's
0: the purpose of the device. All right, John, lead us in.
2: <clears throat> From Atlanta, who never knew this was going to have three seasons. It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who built a new computer for this. But we know the truth, he's using it to play Elden Ring. John Mihalik.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Whole World Improv Theater, the podcast. My name's John Mihalik. With me is my co-host, the Artistic Director of Whole World Improv Theater, Mr. Chip Powell.
0: Hey John. So excited because this is season three and we finished season two on education, which was... Very eye-opening, mm-hmm. and I'm excited because we're going to dive into meeting our actual current main cast members and finding out more about them, so that the folks out there know exactly who it is that's working for us. So today we have Paige Crawford.
3: Hello, so Hi, excited Paige. to be here.
0: <laughs> we'll
1: make sure there's like a round of applause. Don't worry.
3: Oh, cool.
0: <laughs> we're not going to do this like sweaty balls, are we? <laughs> I- I- Too. (laughs) I know you did.
3: (laughs) An NPR.
0: What do you balls? Okay. (laughs) Well, I think that, you know, as we dive into this, I've been around (laughs) forever since (laughs) the beginning of the whole world. And I have to say that we run across so many different people, so many different styles of improv and improvisers and everything. And I think everybody brings their own unique flavor to the show. So, Paige, what do you think it is that fuels your comedy?
3: Mm. (laughs) Hmm. That's a good question. I would say childhood trauma. No, I'm just kidding. Um,
0: (laughs) That's that's, that's pretty much a lot of it for a lot uh,
3: of us. I don't know. I think just going for it. I think if I'm not having fun on stage, then... I always think, what's the point? So always having fun on stage and just going for it and not caring how you look. You know, you're playing a goat on a spaceship. You know, really sell that goat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be that goat.
1: Is that the approach you kind of take before every show? Take us before coming out on
3: show know, night. Okay. okay. Uh, well, usually starts with a red bull <laughs> to get some extra energy and then just the energy of everyone always kind of helps me out and then my personal warm up i have a show warm up playlist on spotify it's just all
0: bts songs wow.
3: so that gets me all pumped for the show and um exciting and yeah that's it's my pre show beginnings
0: well and take us back all the way when was your first experience acting when did you get Ooh. bit by the bug
3: when I was in kindergarten,
0: <laughs> we
3: <laughs> did a show. Actually, my kindergarten drama teacher was Jennifer Foster, who did improv here. Oh and my god! So our very first, crazy. I know, our very first show was about the alphabet, and I remember I was the K and I was a kangaroo. I still remember. I mean, oh it's like god. yesterday. I remember I had to be like. K stands for kangaroo. Kangaroos can hop some sort of fact about kangaroos. And that was it. And then I stepped back in line. And um, ever since then, I just liked being on stage because I'm a very shy person. I don't think it shows when I'm on stage. Uh, No, it does not. But Uh, I was a very chronically shy kid, like wouldn't talk to anyone who wasn't my parents, like hid behind my mom, didn't order my own food at restaurants. So being on stage let me not be shy.
1: Yeah. So the kangaroo and then... You got the bug in kindergarten, so <laughs> did that turn you into a theater kid?
3: I wasn't necessarily a theater kid because I wasn't very good at Like, I was always in the back. I was always a character actor or I was in the back. So I was always the kind of comic relief character anyway. I was like this bird one time in a show. It was just a puppet, but uh, we had to be funny. So I was always just kind of the funny. I was never the lead. I'm not a leading lady or anything. I'm always the second or third build actress who's the, you know, drunk one or the slipping on the stage one or whatever. So, but improv I got into in high school when I was, 14 or 15 and jennifer foster was my drama teacher in high school and so the style of improv i knew was the style of improv we do
0: here so wow that's so crazy you keep bringing her up because it's like even when i was down in new orleans now that she's married and down there and teaching i was trying to hook up with her because she is such a joy Mm -hmm. She brought a lot of students through here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those students ended up taking classes as adults and growing into the program. So when you go to college, what is your experience with theater, acting, improv? What's going on there?
3: So I actually went to college for theater because I did not know what else I was gonna do. So I was like, <laughs> I guess I'll just get a theater degree. But what was funny is everyone there had musical backgrounds, and I was not a musical person. So <laughs> I, every time there was a musical, I was in the tech crew, stage managing, which is another thing I really love about yeah. theater. I love stage managing. So I was just always in the straight place, but they were all so serious. Or I was the comic relief in some play. So yeah, I'm I'm one of those statistics that graduated with a theater degree and. <laughs> a little laughable, but it's fine. It was great. I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And I actually was a part of the drama society there. And from that, we had this thing called guerrilla theater, which was like the improv troupe. I joined it my first year there as a freshman and kind of helped redevelop it and ended up taking it over for the next like four years. So I don't know. I think it died when I left. (sighs) I, I don't know if they kept it going, but that was my theater experience in college was a lot of watching a lot of musicals that I did not like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're not a musical person.
3: I, you know, I'm not a musical person. I was in a musical. I like, there are some musicals I do like, and I know this is going to sound weird, but I love Pirates of Penzance and everyone laughs at me because they think it's terrible and I love it. This little opera about pirates. It's <laughs> amazing.
1: Well, you know, one of the things we do here, we have a lot of musical games and you're great at it.
3: I hated those games for the <laughs> longest time. I remember coming here and <laughs> really? being like, ugh, oh, they're gonna put me in musical games that I can't stand. I can sing in my car and I'm confident in my car. I can sing along, but mm. that terrified me, honestly. But I've gotten, I've gotten over it.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I've
3: worked on it. Oh yeah. Rapping, I used to dry heave before the show if I knew I was gonna be in a line rap.
0: <laughs> Everybody hates the line rap. I love which it, Which is actually my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Which, I don't
3: mind it anymore. Yeah. But oh, sometimes I can have an offline rap so night. So
0: what was like your most serious role in, from high school to college before you got here? Hmm.
3: I don't know. I was in a lot of comedies, but the one musical I was in was after college. It was Sideshow. I don't know if you've seen Sideshow, but it's about... The real life twins, Violet and Daisy, who are connected at the hip, I think, are like conjoined twins. And I played Dolly Dimples, who was this giant baby clown thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess that was probably the most serious. I I kind of looked funny, but the, the whole show was very serious and like sad and stuff like that. But everything else, I think I was just kind of comic comedians. I was in... Actually, I played a Jewish girl. I'm not <laughs> Jewish, but I played, I don't even remember my name, but I was in The Last Night of Ballyhoo, which is a written by, I think an Atlanta playwright wrote it, but I played a Jewish girl. <laughs> and I was the funny comic Southern Belle in that, but I was definitely not Jewish. So I had to dye my hair brown, if that tells you
0: anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> Commitment. Mm-hmm. I've done that for a role. So what's your whole world journey. How do you find us other than obviously Jennifer Foster Mm -hmm. introduced you to us. Talk a little bit about that.
3: Well, I came here in high school to do like a workshop with her and our improv troupe. And I came to some shows when I was in high school. And then I think it was like 2017, Jennifer Foster (laughs) um, (laughs) tagged me in a post for the ISP program. And she was like, you need to audition for this. And I said, OK, great. And at the same time, I was auditioning for another musical at this theater I was working at. And I said, OK, well, if I don't get that, I'll audition for Whole World. And thank God I didn't get that terrible musical because <laughs> it, was, it was awful. Um, and luckily, I came here and auditioned and got into the ISP program. And six months, right? Six months. Got out of that. Became an apprentice member. And I think in June of 2018, was asked to be on the main stage.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. The ISP program for all of our listeners out there was the Improv Studies Program, Mm -hmm. which I'm looking at Chip here, but this was geared more towards professional actors.
0: Yes. Bringing professional actors. We started, obviously, 27 years ago. Mm -hmm. And when we did, it was a group of working actors that all wanted to create an art house in order for us to have our own outlet if we weren't able to get into a production somewhere else we could still do improv on the weekends right And then we did scripted work. And so after 12, 15 years, we looked around and we had trained business professionals and aspiring actors as well as anybody that wanted to learn improv. And we found that half of our cast wasn't even from a theater background. They were just people that had trained with us and knew how to do it from the training. And we wanted to bring the artist back into whole world so we started isp to give a chance for actors that were working auditioning and doing things to come in and have an outlet learn all the parts that we do stage manager house manager camera lights suggestions sound all that stuff be a part of this type of live theater event while they were also learning how to do live film and whatnot so now
1: you're a mainstager. Mm-hmm. Was there any nerves being a mainstager the first time you went out?
3: Um, I think I was more nervous my first mainstage practice because I was like the new one on the main stage. and I had only sometimes done shows with everybody, so I was still intimidated. Because I remember my first mainstage show, I was still in ISP and it was the Scream show. Were you the MC for that? One of
1: our Halloween shows. It was
0: a scream. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
3: you put me in just as the the girl who gets killed. killed.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's it was, my favorite introduction to bring someone yeah. into the main cast is, let me put you in this show. We're going to kill you off in the first scene and then good luck to you. Yeah, that's right. Don't just, suck or else you're going to keep getting killed. <laughs>
3: yeah. I just remember that that was actually so fun. And I was like, okay, I have my little stage time. I'm going to milk this for all, that, all it's worth. And I remember, I think it was... Scott was supposed to be the killer and he calls me on the phone and I believe it was Carlos who gave him like a trivia fact to ask me because you know in Scream he asked Drew Barrymore these trivia facts and stuff like that and I remember the question was like who played Jamie Lee Curtis's son in um, Halloween H20 or something like that and I knew the answer and so I was like Josh Hartnett and I hear everyone in the background going oh yeah, that's actually right. And I was just like... And then later, he was like, how'd you know that? I was like, because that's like one of the one Halloweens I watched after the original one, because I love Josh Hartnett. And so that was a fun... That was a fun show. That So that was my first main stage show. And then... My first actual main stage show as a main stager, I don't actually remember. But like I said, I remember being nervous more for rehearsal with the other main stagers because it was like my first time going into the main stage rehearsal and we had the, you know, when we had that. And I just remember being like so intimidated. I'll tell you who I was the most intimidated by, and it was Grant. Because <laughs> I didn't know. I knew I started to get to know everybody, but I don't know. Grant intim- intimidated me the most
0: yeah. out of everybody. You know, he demands, you know, a lot from uh-huh. his performers. <laughs>
2: Hey! You've been listening to people talk about improv, so why not try it yourself? Whole World Improv Theater has in-person improv classes for beginners and seasoned actors alike. No prior experience is needed. Our class program is eight weeks long and full of people just like you who want to learn and have a lot of fun. Just check out our website to learn more or sign up. The website is wholeworldtheater.com and that's theater with an R-E at the end because we're fancy. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, the sweetest smelling office of cultural affairs in the world.
0: You know, it's interesting. You're talking about the nervousness around becoming main stage. So what's it like in the apprentice program as you're making your way to main stage? Like give our listeners like a insight of what that journey is like, because a lot of them are going through it. And mm-hmm. a lot of the folks that listen to what we do are going through it.
3: I mean, it's like it's hard work. You know, as an apprentice member, you're you're here learning, you're still learning, you're experiencing being in shows, and you're doing your shifts and stuff like that, <laughs> so you're doing a lot. And then when you move to main stage, you kind of, the shifts are, you don't have to do shifts anymore, and you kind of have this, like, kind of weird, you know, new status. So yeah. I think finding your place in each one of those was kind of, like, what I try to remind myself like as an apprentice it was like like kind of why are you here like what are your goals and then when i became on when i got on main stage it was kind of the same conversation like okay why am i main stage now what are my goals like i've now made main stage what are my next goals And my, i was like okay i'm gonna nc did that i'm gonna teach did that even worked in the marketing department and stuff like that did that Mm -hmm. you kind of realize what you like and what you're good at and Mm -hmm. what you kind of like want to spend your time with and so i think yeah with each each level, you kind of have to set, I think, goals for yourself so you can kind of understand your why of doing that. Did I answer the question? I don't know.
0: No, I think you did. Well, I mean, that's your your path, and that's just it. It's Some people dive in and do multiple jobs here, and of course, we train in every department, but I think, too, some people find they're better at one thing than they are at the other. I mean, we've had people that never even made main stage because they liked to house manage or be front of the house or want to help us find sponsors or any of those things other than just being a performer. So, like I said, all walks of life come in these doors, whether they're, you know, lawyers or doctors or, you know, professionals in the industry or working actors. So we get the whole gambit of people, but it's about what really works for you here at Whole World. 27 years, it's a long time to be working in this industry, and I feel like a lot of times when people are coming in and they're new, they just want to try it out. They don't even know what they want, and it's not until they settle in and get to know everybody that they find their way, because you could probably speak to that, John.
1: Oh, yeah. When I came here, it was the six-month programs. This was the last of the six-month programs, I believe, where it was six-month basic, six-month advanced, And there was a year wait (laughs) Mm -hmm. between basic and the advanced. But I was still able to volunteer here and come to our practice jams that our students come to. Mm -hmm. And I was pulling shifts. I was on the schedule pulling shifts, you know, and I got to know everybody. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was really cool that everybody was a very, very friendly and very supportive, even for a student like that.
3: I would say bouncing off of that, because I've been to like multiple, you know, other improv theaters and not even just in Atlanta, but other states as well. And I think that the one thing that I liked the most about Whole World was it was this small little family, you know, and like mm-hmm. easily you can easily integrate into the family. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. you, you do invite the students to. Be a part of Jam, which it's, it's not like this, you know, inclusive, exclusive thing. It's like, okay, you, you're taking classes here. You're technically a sub, you know, group of the family. So we're letting you come to the table and eat dinner with us. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether you stay... If whether you want to stay is up to you. And I think that's the cool thing about Whole World. Cause I think at a lot of other places, you kind of have to, I don't know, you kind of have to, it's kind of, they kind of do kind of keep you separated. They're like, you are just a student. So here are your perks, but you can't be a part of this. You know what I mean? So,
0: well, I have a lot of main stagers that come to me going, when are we just going to do a main stage thing? And I always go, we'll get to that. But right now, it's about more of the community. Mm-hmm. And speaking on that, you know, after 27 years, I know a lot of folks that, you know, came through here. They're no longer here. They're raising families on their own, but yet they're still friends. Mm -hmm. And they met here and the friendships and all of that. Um, Speaking of the community and the family feel for people that are coming up, like what's the best way for someone coming into whole world to kind of fit in to this community because I know you have really great friends here mm-hmm. that are people that you met here that you formed, you know, very special bonds with and you celebrate together. You know, we just did Skanksgiving together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are things that we do along the way that are outside of here as well that still bring that feeling of community Right. to the people. So what do you think it is for people that are coming up in the ranks now? What, what are things that they need to be looking for or doing to kind of create that for themselves?
3: Honestly, I think that the time in which I made all of my friendships or like made all the bonds with people is after shows, you know, or after rehearsal when you got like, cause I think, I don't think we do it as much anymore and it's probably just because of the panini. But um <laughs> um but I remember when I first got here and kind of was on ISP, we went like after a rehearsal, we would go to Da Vinci's like almost every week. Or, you know, we would hang out in the parking lot and just shoot. Shoot the shit. Can I say shit? Yeah. Um, Shoot the beat all day long. So that's. I think that was the time. You know, when you get to rehearsal, you're here to rehearse, and you're here to have. I mean, you're still here to have fun, obviously. But yeah. and, And show when you're in show mode, it's like you're here to be in the show. You're here to be in show mode. But after the show, you're allowed to like you know celebrate, hang out, and that's the time I think. When I mm. made the most friendships and got to know the most people. And like I said, I know it doesn't come off that I'm shy, but I am still very shy. So when new people come in, I don't—I feel like I can be a little intimidating, but it's more mm-hmm. just like, so everyone in the whole world, if you want to come talk to me, just walk up to yeah, me. Just walk yeah.
0: <laughs> very shy.
3: You know? But no, I think, yeah, just hanging out after the shows, even if you're not a night person, even if you're tired, I think it is kind of an important time to kind of you know, sit there and talk about improv because, you know, we just did it. So it's like, oh, we, let's talk about the show or like, let's just talk about what it's like to be here. Or like, oh, let's, what, do you, what do you do for a living? Or like, what do you do outside of whole world? So I think that time is important for making like the bonds, I guess.
1: Yeah. And that helps, you know, the more we get to know each other, the more, I don't believe we've talked about the concept of group mind yet on the podcast, you know, the more we know each other, mm-hmm. the more that we kind of think the same, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm in a scene with Paige and I've never told you this, but this is my thing. If I'm in a scene with you, I always let you lead. Oh. Because I'm just like, Paige is going to come up with something that's going to be great to lead in a scene. I'm just going to grab whatever she throws out first.
3: Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you and I probably break more in the scenes because we're always constantly messing with each other in a Mm -hmm. way that you know is trying to mess with the relationship or the situation to catch each other Mm -hmm. off guard so it's always like funny for me because i go off i I was like oh my god i broke too much in that scene because Mm -hmm. we were being goofballs
3: my favorite dynamic with us is when we're in a three-person scene and you and i gang up on the other (laughs) person or we question what they say and we're (laughs) like what's
0: that
1: What's that?" (laughs) what's happening with you Yeah, now, don't let this discourage you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) If you're in a scene with Paige and we (laughs) We will not
0: gang up on you, at least not intentionally. (laughs) It just kind of happens naturally.
3: Yeah.
2: This program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts.
0: So take us from that moment that you become main stage and then you have to instruct. What is it like for you to switch gears? Because now you got to put your money where your mouth is Mm -hmm. and you've got to stand true to what you're teaching. I think that
3: was the hardest transition is teaching because I came up through the ISP program. So I didn't go through the 101, 201, 301, 401. So I kind of had to learn As I went and stuff like that, it was probably the most difficult challenge I've had. I think I did a pretty good job. (laughs) Um, Yes. Actually, two of my students I went to high school with and I didn't know, they didn't know I was their teacher. So it was easier now that I knew people. I was like, okay, I can be a little bit more comfortable. I know people in my class.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, No, it was really rewarding. And it was it was nice to be with the same group. And when they graduated, I just felt really proud. And it was awesome. and It was nice. And I think I had like six, six or seven people that I was like proud to be like, look at Look what they've done. Like These are my babies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I think mm. going from main stage to teaching was more challenging than like main stage to emceeing or anything mm-hmm. else. It's cuz you know, you I think you're constantly questioning if you're doing a good job when you're teaching, you know, or you're like am I teaching the right way? Am I doing am I saying the right thing? Am I am I enabling them too much or am I coddling them too much or am I not being harsh enough or am I being too harsh? So you're I'm just constantly grappling with like am I doing a good job?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think in season 2 when we did education, John learned so much sitting behind the mic because we were talking to some of the best in the yeah. city. Mm-hmm. As well as Hal in New York and people that had worked all over. And it's one thing to step out of like feeling confident about your performance to stepping into now I'm guiding people. There's a lot of doubt there, but I love it when we watch someone take on a teaching role because watching them on stage their performance changes drastically mm-hmm. especially on a night that their students are sitting out in the audience right. they're very mindful of what they're doing they're very careful about how they're doing it. Because I always tell them, like, you know, when we're in a beginner's class, don't ask any questions, but please don't come to the show and they come up to me afterwards that they ask questions. And that I was that like, happened <laughs> with
3: my class. They were like, you know, you tell us not to ask questions, but then I went to the show and they asked a question. And I didn't know. I was like, Well, once you know the rules of improv, you're allowed to break, break them. them. <laughs> yes.
0: Exactly. You know, once you've
3: got enough training and and you, you know, yeah. know how to ask a question in a scene, yeah. you can ask a question. Well, in a and
0: scene. there are games <laughs> called questions only. And And you have to, or there are interview games where you have Mm. to ask questions. And so you know that they are not off limits. It's just when you're trying to train people that are just starting out, you're like, let's just pull them out of the equation for right now and see if you can just make statements and keep things moving forward. Because in life, I feel like we do question a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're questioning things. More now than ever before. <laughs> do, do I have to have a shot? Do I not have a shot? Do I need to bring my COVID card? Yeah. I'd be like, you don't even know what the hell Should I wear a mask? Yes. I Should have I have, a, have mask? a mask? Should I have a mask? A face shield? Is a face shield okay? Yeah. There are so many questions right now that we have to ask each other in society. And we find that in art, you know, moving forward with statements, the scenes, te- they take off. And mm-hmm. we have a lot more fun. But I have to admit, too, early on in my transitioning from Minnesota to teach and direct there, you know, in my very early 20s was so intimidating, but I knew what I was doing or I felt like I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then when I came to Atlanta and I got here and when I first became the student program director, my first job was building those six-month programs. And I was writing the syllabus out. I was setting everybody up. We were auditioning hundreds of people. It was very intimidating. And of course, the second that you got in there, somebody calling you out, you were like, oh my God, am I right? Am I wrong? Mm -hmm. What am I doing? But then again, with training and reading, and so what are some of the things that you suggest to your students when they're first starting out that kind of help you guide them along the way?
3: Um, I just tell them to watch as many shows as they can. I think being around improv and coming to the jams and coming to, you know, Wednesday and stuff is is just doing, you know, is the I think the best way to get better at it. I mean, you could read book after book after book on improv, but. You're just reading about it. You know, you're not doing it. So I think doing improv is the (laughs) best, you know, or being around it and watching it, absorbing it, asking people their tips and stuff. I remember when I was, I think, still an apprentice member and I, I was in a character game or something, like Brandon North was like, what's your character, like how do you develop a character and i never had sat down and thought about it and so he asked me to write it out for him and i remember sitting there being like what do i do? i was like what do i do and then i just kind of thought like okay oh yeah i'm in my car usually i'm listening to the radio i Im- start imitating someone's voice and then i'm and then i give them an occupation and then i start building their background story and then i start envisioning what they look like and so i just wrote that all out and i was like here you go <laughs> like i think this is what i do <laughs>
1: Well, it's effective because you, you do have some great, have great characters. characters yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a particular character that is just like your go to character?
3: <laughs> drunk Jessica, Jessica was that for a while. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. easy to do. And I she love can, her. I like the fact that she can say whatever she wants. And if she's a little offensive, it's fine because she's just some drunk girl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: And if I'm hosting, she calls me Ellen.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: right. Thank you, Alan. Yeah. So she's been fun.
3: And then I've been having fun with Dylan, my like little 14-year-old boy character. He's really fun. And then I came up with a new character that was this lesbian chef recently. Oh we all love that. Um what was her name? Um uh, Deborah Dykes.
0: <laughs> Deborah Dykes. Sorry, Daniel. That's still
3: your last name.
0: That's all right. <laughs> He's not gonna mind. Because that was shit was hilarious.
3: <laughs> so I know. I've liked, I have like a special place for all of my characters. There's even characters I was thinking about recently that I did in ISP, like in class, that I never did on stage. And I had that one, uh, she was like a news reporter that used to be like Miss Texas or something. And I was like, oh, I should bring her back. Or like trying to think about bringing certain characters back. There was only like one character I ever did that bombed badly. And I was like, I'm never doing that again.
0: Oh, yeah. I think we all have that.
3: Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's not a likable character. All right. Good to know. Pocket that. Never doing that again.
1: (laughs) I want to run back to something you mentioned when you were MCing. As an MC, what goes into writing a show?
3: Ooh, um, I think just for me I want to challenge people, but also write to their the best of their ability. But also, I, I kind of learned this from Chip and Carlos, actually. I remember talking to Carlos about him writing a show, and he, he's like, I want to write to people's strength, but I also want to challenge people. And so that's what I would think about going in. I would give everyone, like, maybe one or two scenes that I knew they were going to, like, knock it out of the park and then I was like you know what I've never seen John in um, you know insert this you know uh, I don't know I'm trying to think of I've never seen John in a in experts even though you've been in experts but you know what yeah. I mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna throw him in this one or like oh you know I've never seen him in this I'm gonna throw him in that so there's a balance of, like, wanting people to shine, but also challenge them to grow as an improviser. For me, too, it's like I want to also balance the show with games. I don't want, you know, two back-to-back musical games. I think I learned this from you, Chip. It's like you don't want two musical games back-to-back because that's preposterous. <laughs> like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Um, you know, spread things out. Um, don't make things too similar next to each other. So if you've got, like, a buzzer repeat whatever, and then you want to do, like, repeat country, make sure they're in the two separate sections of the show so but yeah that's those are my go-to rules when i was emceeing
0: what are your favorite games to play when you're in the show
3: any character game
0: oh yeah i love character games me too
3: i love a good buzzer buzzer's fun and i really i mean i'm not the most athletic person but i do love a good rc styles i will never crawl through the window but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do like being a part of rc styles that's always fun
1: You've given us three games that you love, but you get put in guessing games.
3: Oh, yeah. I do and love guessing games. You are games.
1: just insanely good at guessing games.
3: I don't know where that came from. I think as a child, I just liked
0: super aware
3: yeah guessing games and like you know I would play a little like I loved like 20 questions and stuff growing up or like I spy and like you know I'm going to describe something in three words you have to guess what it is like I used to love that stuff so maybe that or you know probably I grew up watching the Game Show Network so maybe it was oh a lot god. of that on top stuff of TV too. Land yeah. oh my god TV Land and Game Show network. I'm just an old man in 30 year old woman's body man. an <laughs> old
0: game you like Paul Land oh
3: uh, yeah
0: <laughs> Um, I was always a Charles Nelson Ryan guy Charles <gasps> Nelson Riley I love hate. him. <laughs> they did have a lot of good one-liners and all I those always wanted to be, who
3: was the woman on Match Game? She was lasses and she always was sitting next to yeah. Charles Desset and she was, yeah. I think it's like she had a cigarette, but she probably didn't. Oh my did God, it.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't remember her name. She, I
3: loved her. I yeah. wanted to like be her, like on Match Game and stuff like that. No, I'm just, I'm an old soul, I guess, because... Yeah. <laughs> All I watched growing up was, like, TV shows that were way before I was ever born. Good thing we have those outlets. Exactly. (laughs) Which I think, you know, we talk about humor and, like, where does it stem from? When I said childhood trauma, I had a great childhood. But I Mm -hmm. think it was just growing up watching this old style of comedy and kind of, like, I used to watch those old school roasts that were not funny and then they'd always have very kind of, like, now I know not so great jokes, like a little borderline, you know, you're like, oh, that wouldn't fly today, but, you know, so. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> right, and yet, for the people listening, there were roasts before Comedy Central yeah. roasts. You know, mm-hmm. the Dean Martin celebrity uh-huh. roast was just... Yeah. Um,
3: I never knew who the celebrities were, but I yeah. was like, yeah, oh. yeah,
1: So who's your favorite game show host?
3: Hmm... He's not my favorite. I do remember the one from the first one from Family Feud, the guy who would like kiss the women.
0: Oh, Richard Dawson. <laughs> Richard <laughs> Dawson. Yeah, from Hogan's Heroes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> he was always a little bit too fresh with yes. the women and, you yeah. know, a little bit too touchy. Put his lips
0: remember. on them. Yeah, yeah, he did
1: put his lips on them. Uh-huh. There was a Saturday Night Live sketch about that where um, every. Every time you went to a woman, there, it was just a, a deep French kiss.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember that. I remember being like, that's a little weird. Um, I did actually, I really loved Match Game. I think that was probably my favorite.
1: Gotta match love Match game. game. You don't remember the, the name? I don't remember the host Gene Rayburn.
3: Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Chippy, so you shaking his head. Just well, like- no,
0: and then, of course, the whole gong show where he was supposed to be. An international spy, but he landed a job <laughs> yeah. as a host on a, a game, game show. show. Right. The, the worst game show ever. Mm-hmm. And the guy with the paper bag on his head, the unknown comic. The unknown comic. Oh, man. And he brought out a paper bag on his hand, and he was like, he mm-hmm. had an unknown comic hand puppet.
3: <laughs> you know, what? My, I think my fav, my first female like comedian i looked up to was lucille ball i used to love i love Lucy. i thought she was the funniest woman and the chocolate factory episode i remember i was like nine years old and i was watching for the first time and my it was like late i had a tv in my room growing up and it was like late at night and i was like sneaking and i was watching tv land or nick at night or one of those things it was the chocolate factory episode and i was dying laughing I was just crying laughing and my dad the next morning was like what were you watching I heard you laughing on it I was like that's Lucy she's so funny and then and then Carol Burnett also she's like one of my heroes those two women oh my god they're so funny the
0: Carol Burnett show is definitely one of the first things that ever influenced me because Mm -hmm. we would beg my mom I mean this is back when (laughs) I'm going to date myself. (laughs) Uh, You would take your bath, put your pajamas and your robe on, and mom would have a TV tray set up in front of the TV, and she'd Mm -hmm. bring a Swanson Hungry Man meal in a glass of milk and put it on the tray, and we were able to watch Cal Burnett before bedtime. Mm -hmm. And that was like, and then the second Cal Burnett was over, you had to go to bed. But it was so good. It was so funny, and we all laughed. And I think that's where a lot of my... Shticky shtickness comes from Mm -hmm. is watching that. Yeah.
3: That old school physical comedy.
0: Yeah. Because I'm not afraid to get physical. I'm not afraid to be, you know, vocally or facially funny, but I'm also not afraid to dive down and, you know, get real. So show your butt. Yeah. Well, yeah, show, <laughs> show my butt. But then again, you know, it takes a lot to go from that to doing Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross or, you know, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Those are complete departures from what we do. But I'm not scared to do them because I feel like that whole freedom of what mm-hmm. we do helps me tap into the emotional choices that you need to do other things in this industry. But
3: well, they say that comedians are actually like really good at the darkness of mm-hmm. of being serious in those shows and stuff like that. Yeah. So it makes sense. It
0: makes it sense does. that you can. It does, it does. We're all a little off balance. A
3: little dark.
0: So for people that are going to be listening to you, and uh, that's probably going to be a lot of our company members, our apprentice members, some of our students, what's your advice to them once they do become main stage? What are the things that you kind of focus on as a main stage performer, to thrive and still keep it fresh and not to get stagnant or feel like you already know everything, like there, we fight those demons all the time. What's your advice there?
3: Well, for like the keeping it fresh thing, I think you just have to keep reminding yourself that every show you do is not going to be the same as the next show. So if you have a not so great show, shake it off because your next one is going to be just fine, or you know it could be the best show you've ever had. And also, I think, like I said earlier, like setting goals. Even in shows, you kind of set little mini goals or something like that. And so I think, you know, if I'm doing a character game... Maybe I'm like, oh, let me try a new character. Like Tanya and I started doing this thing where we're just getting so sick of doing the same characters that if we both were in a character game, we would give each other characters. I'd be like, okay, your name is Lucinda. You are a male woman who performs at the diner at night singing. She's like, okay, great. And then we'd have to do it that day. Like we we had no prep. It was just kind of like, okay. And then we'd help each other get our costumes together. And so that's a way to keep it fresh. To literally just make something up, you know. Inspire
0: Um, each other. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I think just setting a little tiny mini goals for yourself
0: before each show.
3: Do you want to like, I don't want to say like make everybody laugh because I don't think that's the goal of improv. Maybe you want to try an accent or something. I don't know. Just just keep keeping it fresh and trying new things. But I think sometimes we do sometimes get in our head a little bit. You know, I think we can first kind of do that when we start doing shows. And, you know, we're we're given the download, which is just a skeleton of what's going to happen. And, you know, it's still totally based at improv but i think sometimes we could be like you could think too much about the show and what i like to do after download is literally just not think about the show like not in like i just forget what i'm in i'm more like okay i've set up my characters now this is not my time to think about what's happening in the show this is my time to warm up to connect with everybody to get ready for the show to get my energy up if i need to get a red bull if i need to do some jumping jacks we need to go outside you know and then when the show starts, that's when I start thinking about the show, but you know, kind of, you know, giving yourself that break from download to the show to just, to not think so that you're kind of in the, already in that wheelhouse of improv of, like not thinking and being fresh.
0: I'm a good firm believer of just put some time into thinking about the angle that you want to portray in a particular scene, not be married to it Mm -hmm. and just be ready to change on a whim. If your partner says something to you, just react naturally so that you can kind of take them on a journey. I think, like you're saying, uh, buzzer. We were doing buzzer talk show last night, and we just went off the rails. I mean, I don't even know where we went, but it was just like all of a sudden it was uh, about adoption, and all of a sudden it was Erin's character was adopted, and then it turned out Conley was her mom, Rhonda, who ended up coming on the show. But then they talked about her dead parents, and I said, "We've got her dead parents," (laughs) and they came. And then like Jen and them came through the door, and I was like, "It's a hologram." everything was just flying out of nowhere and it was so much fun because it was so unknown and everybody was just agreeing to the craziness Mm -hmm. that it just it was so much fun and it was so funny because we just succumb to everything and just you're in that moment and you're having fun
3: well one of the things i would tell my students i'm like if you're two sharks stuck in a tank at a pet smart that's the reality. That's true. Even though we know sharks can't talk, we why would sharks be at Petsmart? We know it's all ridiculous. That scenario would never happen. But in this world that we've created, that's what's happening. You gotta let go, like you said, like go for it. You gotta succumb to the yeah. to the weird. And the what makes it funny is that you're treating it as this is truly reality. So you're two sharks stuck in it you know what I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what improv is all about: actual <laughs> randomness and. We can't trust PetSmart.
3: No. We must free all of the animals from PetSmart.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, it has been great talking to you, Paige. Thank you. I've
3: enjoyed this. If you ever need a third co-host, let me know. This was a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, we might in the future.
1: He's looking at me because, remember, in season one, I appointed Monish the guest host. Oh. (laughs) When I kind of forced (laughs) him and Emily in there. So at some point, Chip is going to...
0: Be interviewed again oh. and as a main cast performer. And, and so, so we'll I. need a co host. Yes, exactly.
3: Should I come on and pretend to be, should I put on a different hat? Yeah. Pretend come on. to be a host?
1: What I want you to do if you co host is get Tanya on the phone. Mm-hmm. and have her say, okay, you're the
0: co-host, but you're uh-huh. from Ireland, <laughs> yeah, okay. okay, and you... And then you're doing an Irish accent. <laughs> so
3: Chip, tell me, what, where's your first... Ta- what's the, the first blur-ny. joke you ever said?
0: Well, Blurney, I went to the School of the Blessed Sacrament.
3: <laughs> Was your Catholic upbringing really what made it's you that what's funny? It's what made
0: me. <laughs> what's one last word of wisdom you would give anybody that wants to become a main stage performer at whole world? hmm I know it's deep. I go deep deep. here at the end. (laughs) I go deep.
3: You go deep. To not get discouraged, I think people can compare themselves to other people on the main stage or the apprentice cast and be like, why am I not here and they're there? I have issues comparing myself to people in real life. But I think when it comes to improv and when it comes to your own personal talent or skill level, I wouldn't compare yourself because the moment you start comparing yourself to other people is the moment you start destroying yourself and sabotaging yourself because it's your individual journey is to me it's kind of like a religion it's your own spiritual journey and so it's what you make of it and if you compare it to other people's journeys in improv or other people's skill like I think you can easily look at someone and be like oh I want to be there but if you start going I'll never be as good as so and so or I'll never be you know I think you start that negative self-talk it's just going to destroy you.
0: I always say the reason that we're here for so long is everybody brings their own unique style to what we're doing. So just own your style. And you definitely own that, Miss Paige Crawford. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show today. This was
3: fun. Thanks for having me. John,
0: take us away. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater
1: Podcast. I'm John Mulholland. I'm Chip Powell. And scene.
2: Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theatre Podcast. So, is this hiatus over, or is that just another word for not wanting to work in general? The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theatre in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and frequent visitor to New Orleans is Chip Powell. This episode was produced, written, and edited by John Mihalik. What? Just this episode? what about the rest of the season? I imagine John hard at work late at night. Beads of sweat dripping down his forehead. Maybe using an ergonomic mouse. One of those vertical mice. When all of a sudden that little USB nib that makes the connection from the vertical mouse wireless goes out. And John goes, no, no, no. I was on the last minutes of editing the podcast and it's gone you gotta search for another mouse or you have to use that little trackpad or what if you don't even have a trackpad what do you do john if you don't have a trackpad you don't have a mouse and then you start frantically googling 24-hour walmarts in hopes that they'll have another vertical mouse but you don't live near a 24-hour walmart do you john especially not during the time of covid no no, you're not lucky enough to live near the one 24-hour Walmart that stayed open all through COVID. What, do they close at like 10 p.m. now? Yeah. You walk in there late at night. You stomp all the way to the back of the store to the electronics section. But they're cleared out. You know why? Because COVID's also affected the supply chain. It's been horrible. It's been horrible in just about every industry. And John Halleck can't find his vertical mouse. finish the whole world improv podcast at two in the morning you know why it's at two in the morning because kate doesn't get her voiceovers in until about midnight you know why because kate is a selfish selfish person who up and moved to chicago part-time trying to make it and then john at three in the morning as he's coming back empty-handed from that walmart curses her name and he says her characters weren't that good anyway who is this person oh she was an apprentice and she left she's not gonna make it anyway she's too weird and socially awkward and she smells like tostitos chips because she uses natural deodorant with no baking soda because baking soda turns the underarms dark just like John's soul original music by the gentle readers and our social media maven is Bethany Rowe also a special thanks this week to our guest Paige Crawford for the spiffy new logo please help support this podcast by liking subscribing and leaving us a review it's season three people so you have no excuse not to Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, WholeWorldTheater.com. And remember, it is tax deductible, which will help you pay for all the clarity you'll need for this year's Pollen Apocalypse. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlow. And yes, I am still straddling Chicago and Atlanta. And you know what? Chicago doesn't let me wear costumes. You know who does? Whole World Improv Theater. You know how fun that was? Does anyone realize how liberating that is just to grab a wig and figure it out 30 seconds later? Probably the coolest feel in the world. Whole World. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. And
1: scene.
3: I want to do like a fake like hello fresh thirty percent off or whatever. Hello <laughs>
1: fresh, thirty <30%. laughs> percent yeah, yeah. Promo code. I used to give
3: your mattress. The purple mattress is the perfect yeah. mattress for you.